Amen. Can you lift your hands to him? Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we magnify you today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, I thank you, God, for all that you've done. God, I thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in this place today. Hallelujah. God, I still believe in miracles. God, I still believe in healing. God, I still believe that you can change somebody's life today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I believe God is working in this place right now. Amen. The same God that parted the Red Seas. Amen. The same God of the miracles that we read in the Gospels. He's here today. Amen. And he hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. He's the author and the finisher. So if you need something from God today, he's here right now. And I still believe he's doing it today. It wasn't just for back then, but it's for today. Amen. Amen. God is so good. You can go back to your seats. We're going to turn to 1 Samuel this morning. I believe that God has a, has a word for us. And I'm just wondering if you would believe with me. Would you believe with me today? It's a whole lot easier to get up here if there's a people out there that believe. Amen. Can you have faith that God wants to speak to us? That what I'm about to preach, is not, it's not just me. It's not just my words. But it's God speaking. Amen. It's the Spirit of God touching hearts. Amen. Can we approach that this th today? If we approach it that way today. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Good to have all of our guests and visitors with us. I don't believe that anybody, no one's here by accident. Amen. I believe in divine arrangement, divine alignment. If you're here today, it's because God put you here today. Amen. And he has a plan for you. He has a destiny for you. He has an expected end in mind for you. Amen. First Samuel chapter 27 in verse 1. I got two verses I'm going to read here. First Samuel 27 and 1. It says, And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. And there is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines, and Saul shall despair of me, to seek me any more in any coast of Israel, so shall I escape out of his hand. We're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 30. We're going to read verse 20. It says, And David took all the flocks and the herds which they drave before those other cattle, and said, this is David's spoil. And with the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to preach to you this morning with this title, From Toil to Spoil. From Toil to Spoil. And you can be seated in Jesus' name. To give a little background information 
on this particular story and setting in 1 Samuel, David was in quite the situation. When we talk about David, we're talking about King David. He wasn't king yet, but he had been anointed to be the king. And he was living a life on the run. He was living in hiding. He was living in caves for fear of his own life. Um, At this particular time, again, he was already anointed. The prophetic word had already been spoken over him that he would be the next king. But he was having some problems with his successor, King Saul. King Saul was doing everything he could for that not to happen. And David was given a promise. Again, he was given a prophetic word by Samuel himself, the prophet of God, that he was going to be the next king. But all the circumstances around him were not lining up to the plan of God as it was in the eyes of David. How could one who was supposed to be the next king be the one who was betrayed by his own father-in-law, the one who was betrayed by the king and his very own countrymen. How could this be possible? So David, in his grief and in his fear and discouragement, um, spoke some words. And he may have never have said these to anyone else. He may have not even have said them out loud. The, word, the Bible says that, he, that David said in his heart, And what he said, he says, I am going to die by the hand of Saul if I stay in the land of Israel. He said, it would be better for me to find protection in the land of the Philistines. I need to get out of here. This is what David said to himself. David thought it better that he would be in a land full of pagan Philistines removed from his situation rather than be in the land of Israel with the people of God. David thought it would be better just to escape his circumstances than to fight the battle that was at hand. See, there was a promise on the horizon, but things weren't looking so promising. So he thought, I'm just going to head to the land of the Philistines and hang with the heathens. He isolated himself from the people of God. And he put himself into subjection, in submission to a pagan king named King Achish. So remember, this is the same David. This is the same David who had killed his ten thousands. This was the same David who had great victory over the enemies of Israel. This was the same David that was a Philistine giant killer. This was the same David that had no problems with the lion and the bear. This was the same David they had found in an obscure pasture land to be anointed king of Israel. But fear, doubt, Discouragement gripped the heart of David. And he spoke some things in his own heart. In his discouragement, 
David began to backslide. In his doubt, in his, in his questions, he began to walk away from God. He began to think the thoughts that he didn't belong here. He thought it would be better to be with the pagans, to be with the world. I'm here to tell you this morning that these sort of thoughts, they are a lie from the pit of hell. They are an absolute lie from the enemy. This is exactly what the enemy would like for you to think, that you don't belong here. You'd be better off doing the things of old because they weren't really that bad. That's exactly what the enemy wants to do in our lives. But it's a lie from hell. He tells us that God can't handle your situation. That you'd be better off back in the world finding your protection from pagans, submitting yourself to the the princes and the demons of the world, doing the things that you used to do, talking the way that you used to talk, being a part of the things that God delivered you from. The enemy would like for you to go back to that. He would like for you to think that you'd be better off there. But the devil is a liar. And he's the father of them. I'm here to tell you, don't leave the church. Don't leave the body of Christ. Don't isolate yourself from the people of God. You may hear the whisper, but it's not from God. It's from the enemy. He would like to slowly pull you away from this church. He would like to slowly pull you away from truth. And he oftentimes shows up in discouragement, in fear, in doubt. When we're in the middle of a situation, we're not sure what what the outcome is going to be. The devil shows up and he casts doubt. Don't let those whispers persuade you this morning. The whispers are real. We hear them. But just understand that it's all a big lie. So David, he's now made friends with the enemy and the leader of them, King Achish. And it seems that David and and this king were getting along pretty good because they now shared a common enemy, King Saul. So there was temporary relief from David's distress because now Saul wasn't seeking to kill him. Sometimes in our walk with God, we find ourselves in a storm. We find ourselves in a predicament. And the truth of it is, is if you go and you lean on the world to help you with with this, there will be temporary satisfaction. There will be temporary relief. Relief. But it only lasts for just a short time. And you you end up in a worse situation than you were before. So there was temporary relief for David. 
David and his men would go out and they would fight for King Achish, destroying the enemies of Israel. They would fight the, the Gezurites and the Gerzites and the Amalekites. And then he would come back and, and David would tell Achish that they were in battle with the, the southern areas of Judah, that they were actually in battle with the Israelites. And so David lied to King Achish about who he was actually fighting against. And he, he was trying to find favor from a pagan king telling him that he was out destroying his own people. In actuality, he was destroying the enemies of Israel. When he would raid these cities, he would destroy everything in them, all the men, all the women. And he did this so word could not get back to King Achash about what exactly was happening. David had a tendency to try cover up his sin. And we read that later on again where he tried to, he did that with Bathsheba. He tried to cover up his sin through murder. We read that with Uriah and Bathsheba. But David had found himself living like a backslidden bandit. He was living amongst the pagans, friends with the king of the Philistines, but fear, doubt, and discouragement still reigned in his heart. And he was completely out of the will of God. We read in 1 Samuel chapter 28, verses 1 and 2, it says, And it came to pass in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for warfare to go to fight with Israel. And King Achish said unto David, now thou assur- Know thou assuredly, that thou shalt go out with me to battle, thou and thy men. And David said to Achish, Surely thou shalt know what thy servants can do. And Achish said to David, Therefore will I make thee keeper of mine head forever. So now it came, there came a time where the, the armies of the Philistines were gathering together and they were preparing to go fight directly against the armies of Israel. And the king Achish told David, he says, surely you will come with me today in battle, you and your men. So David was going to be forced to live the lie that he had been playing. And David's response to king Achish doesn't really tell us that he would never do such a thing. We would like to believe that king David would never do this that King David would never fight against his own people. We would like to believe that he would maybe go along with it, but act as a double agent behind enemy lions, if you will. But that's not really what the word says. It seemed that he submitted himself to Achish, and this is what he said. He said, surely you know what we can do. You've seen our men fight. You've heard the reports. You know what we can do. King David was like, all right, let's go. This was the state of mind that David was in. He was in a state of backsliding. He was walking out of the will of God. And this sort of walk is a slippery, slippery slope. The world and sin 
will have you do things that you never thought that you would. And it'll take you places that you never planned on going. You guys have heard this before, and it'll, it'll have you stay there longer than you had originally scheduled. That's what sin will do. David never planned on doing what he was doing. He never planned to leave the people of God. He never planned to work and be in a close relationship with this Philistine king. I, I don't think David was planning this out when he was standing there against um, Goliath. I don't think this was David's plan for his future. This isn't what he had in mind. He didn't plan on going to battle against his very own people. But when you begin to walk away from God, you will begin to do things and be a part of things that you never imagined to do. And the enemy will take you way further than you ever thought you could go. And this is where David was at, at this current moment. We read in 1 Samuel 29, starting in verse 3, it says, Then said the princes of the Philistines, so they were getting ready to go to battle. And the leaders of the Philistines says, what do these he Why are these Hebrews here? And King Achash said unto the princes of the Philistines, Is not this David the servant of Saul, the king of Israel, which hath been with me these days or these years, and I have found no fault in him since he fell unto me unto this day? So King Achash was making uh, an argument for King David. Verse 4, And the princes of the Philistines were wroth with him, and the princes of the Philistines said unto him, Make this fellow return, that he may go again to his place which thou hast appointed him, and let him not go down with us to battle, lest in the battle he be an adversary to us. For wherewith should be he reconcile himself unto his master, should it not be with the heads of these men? Is not this David of whom they sang one to another in dances, saying, Saul slew his thousands and David his ten thousands? The other leaders of the Philistine army were not thrilled with the idea of going into battle with David. They were, they were afraid that he would turn against them in battle. And this, they said, this was the man that's killed many of our people. This is the man that they sing about, how he's killed his tens of thousands. So uh, King Achish agreed, all right, I'm going to send David away. And it seems in this moment that God was giving David a way out of his predicament. Even though it doesn't seem that he was looking for a way out. God was providing it for him. And I believe, I believe today that no matter the situation, no matter the problem, no matter the circumstance, God will always make a way for you to return. He, there is always a way out. He will always leave the door unlocked and open for your return. There are no chains too strong. There's no mountains too high and valleys too low that can keep you from God. There's always a way to God. Amen. He always leaves the lights on, if you will. There will always be a path of return. The Bible speaks of his great mercies. 
that his mercies are, are new every morning and that his mercies are, are everlasting. I'm thankful for the sure mercies of God. I'm thankful for that he would be so graceful enough to give me a second chance. That no matter the situation I find myself, that there's always a way back to the foot of the cross. Amen. He's always leading and guiding us back to him. So David and his men, they head back to Ziklag. And this was their own little city that, that Achish gave them. And we read in, in 1 Samuel 30 and verse 3, it says, So David and his men, they came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice, and they wept until they had no more power to weep. So while David and his men were out trying to join the enemies, their own city was left unguarded. I'm here to tell you that when you leave the protection of God, when you leave the church, when you leave the body of Christ, there will be some things that are unprotected and unguarded that the enemy will destroy in your life. The Amalekites had completely destroyed Ziklag. It was laying there in ashes. They had taken all the men, all the women, all the children as captives. They had taken all their possessions and what they had not taken, they just burned to the ground. While David was out trying to find protection with the enemy. And this really had to be the lowest of lows for David. He was first what seemed to be rejected by his own people, the Israelites. And then he was rejected by his enemy. He was rejected by the Philistines. And now everything that he had was gone. And it even says that his own men, he had 600 men that fought with him. And it says that they were upset and they were thinking about stoning David. David had nowhere to turn. He had made some bad decisions in his discouragement. He had nowhere to go. But we read in verse 6 of chapter 30, it says, And David was greatly distressed. Has anybody just been greatly distressed before? Has anybody just been down and out? Don't know where you're going to go next. Don't understand the mountain before you. It says, David was greatly distressed for the spirit. The people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people were grieved and every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself 
in the Lord his God. (laughs) David was at his low, his ultimate low. There was really nobody to turn to. His own countrymen rejected him. The enemies rejected him. His fellow soldiers were getting ready to stone him. He had his, his wife, his wives and children were gone. Possessions had all been taken, burned up. Nowhere to go but David. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And at his weakest point, he had nowhere else to turn. And he knew that his only strength would come from God. And there's sometimes in life we have to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and encourage ourselves in God. We remember God's great love. We remember what he did for us on Calvary and the blood that he shed for us. We begin to think about his mercies that are everlasting. We begin to think about his grace that is sufficient. We begin to think about the peace that passes all understanding. And we encourage ourselves in the Lord. Amen. We remember our calling. We remember the promises that God has spoken over us. David had to shake his head and he had to clear the fog and he had to say to himself, I am a man anointed by God. I'm called by God and promised by God to be the next king of Israel. I have a high calling and a promise from God and he hasn't taken it away and I need to start living right now according to the destiny that God has in mind for me. That's what David did. He encouraged himself in the Lord. He began to remember his past victories and deliverances. He began to remember David, the story of Goliath. He remembered the lion and the bear. He remembered the battles that God helped him fight in. He said, I'm in a tough spot today. But if he did it for me then... He can do it for me now today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's still interested in me. He still cares about me. He's still calling for me. The promises that he spoke over me years ago are still relevant today. They're still true today. He still has my best interests in mind. The Bible said that the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. It's possible that David could have started singing or quoting some scripture, maybe singing some psalms that he had written or maybe that he had begun to write. I read one thing that it said that while he was fighting for Achish, while he was in, in Philistia, he never wrote a psalm. But when he left, he could have started to remember some of those old songs that he had written. And he began to, to remember and, and began to think about those times with God. It's possible that he started quoting, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want... 
Amen. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, and he leadeth me beside the still waters. It's possible that he begin to talk to God. He restoreth my soul, and he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, and thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Amen. Thou preparest a table for me in the presence of mine enemies, and thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I imagine that he began to quote and sing the psalms that he had written. He might have said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord. And he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Amen. He could have quoted this. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock. He's my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation in my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised so shall I be saved from mine enemies. I imagine this is what David was saying when he was encouraging himself in the Lord. David didn't find his encouragement in anything else. He didn't find it from anybody else. Actually, if you read in... First Kings or Chronicles, wherever it's at, where I think there were some guys from Manasseh that came to be with King David, and, and he didn't find his encouragement from people to come to be on his side, but he found his encouragement from God. He found it in God, in his word, in his promises. We continue to read in chapter 30, verse 8. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? So the, the, the Amalekites had destroyed Ziklag, taken all the, the men, women, and children as captives. And, and it said that David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue. For thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David went, he and the 600 men that were with him. And they came to the brook of Bezor, and where those that were left behind stayed. So David sought the Lord for help. He sought the Lord for which way to turn, which way to go. He asked him, should I pursue them? If I do, will I overtake them? And God told David to pursue. So David went. And even though a third of his men, a third of the 600, were, war, were too worn out to make the journey, he still pursued. And God arranged for them to find the Amalekites. And there was a great recovery that day. We read on in verse 17. It says, And David smote them from the twilight, even unto the evening of the next day. And there escaped not a man 
of them, save 400 young men which rode upon camels and fled. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them. It says that David recovered all. God is interested in restoring. God is interested in having you recover everything that the enemy took from you. He's interested in you having everything back what the enemy stole from you. He wants to restore your health. He wants to give you peace. He wants to restore your peace. He wants to restore your joy. He wants to give you security and satisfaction in him. God gave it all back to David. The devil has done great damage to the souls of many men, but we serve a God who came to restore and to redeem. Okay? He came to restore and to redeem. The Bible declares that the Spirit, Jesus declared, the, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He was sent to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, to give recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. This is what Jesus came to do. Amen. This is what he wants to do in your life. He wants you to completely recover everything that the enemy stole from you. And not only that, and not only that, in verse 20 we read, and David took all the flocks and the herds which they drave before those other cattle and said, this is David's spoil. Not only did David recover his two wives, not only did they recover all their sons and daughters, not only did they recover everything that the Amalekites had stole from them, but they also took a spoil with them. They just didn't leave them with what they had lost, but they left with more than they had before. And that's just like our God today. I want to tell you today, if you're here today, it is the absolute will of God for you to live in his overflow. Okay? He wants, you, he wants to give you life. Amen? The Bible says that the Son, therefore, shall make you free. And I'm thankful to be free. But not only does he want to make you free, he wants to make you free indeed. Amen. There's a little extra added on to that. There's a little spoil added on to what God wants to do for you. The Bible said, says in John 10.10, 10, the thief cometh 
not to, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I am come that they might have life. God wants to give you life. But he wants to give you a life that is not just life, but it's life more abundantly. There's, there's some extra cream on the top, if you will. There's some extra whipping cream and a cherry on the top. There's a spoil that he wants to give you. He doesn't want you just to recover, but he has more for you. His, his, his spirit wants to work in your life, that you would have rivers of living water flowing through you. The Bible says, Jesus said, whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, says, go with him twain. If God helped you go the first mile, why not go the second? He'll give you another mile. There's another blessing. There's another level in him. There's another level of maturity there's places you haven't gone yet that God wants to take you. There's things you haven't done yet that God wants to do through you. And I don't want to ever be accused of just being a one-mile Christian. That I would just be satisfied sitting on the pew. That I would just be satisfied showing up every now and then and throwing a little money in the offering plate, that I would just be satisfied with the status quo, that I would come just enough not to draw any attention to myself. But God wants us to get tapped in. He wants us to live in the overflow. He wants to give us more. He wants to give us life and life more abundantly. He has more for you, child of God. He has more that he wants to give you. King David said, my cup runneth over. That was the title of the first message I ever preached. My cup runneth over. And I declared when I preached that first message that this Pentecostal apostolic experience is not a punishment. This, this church isn't holding me back from anything, but this is the greatest privilege that we can live here on this earth, this Pentecostal experience, this Holy Ghost flowing through our lives, the blood of God on, to, on us and leading us and guiding us. David said, my cup runneth over. And today, I challenge you in the Holy Ghost that don't live your walk with God with your cup half empty. Don't live on E. Don't live with it just about full. But he wants it to be, a, there to be a continuous flow in your life. He wants it to overflow the cup. Amen. Land on the saucer. That's under the cup. And, and soon the saucer begins to overflow and it's on the table. Amen. And now it's dripping off the table onto the floor. That's the spirit of God. That's what he wants to do. And I come, let's, let's stand in this place. I wonder if we would just begin to pray. I, I feel a spirit of lethargicness. 
that we would think we can just get by and just kind of go through the ropes. And my question to you is, why would you want to do that when he has more for you? <laughs> he, he has blessing for you. There's peace and there's joy. And I wonder if we could pray together before we come to this altar, if we could pray that there would be some things undone in this place. That we would step out of being lethargic and, and sort of being a little lukewarm and with the things of God. This is the greatest thing on planet earth. <laughs> this, is, this, is the this gospel message, this life for God is the greatest thing here on earth. This is the greatest experience here on earth. There's nothing better. There's nothing that can compare with it. Amen. Why would we, why would we just kind of be half in and half out? Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, God, I come against anything today, God, that exalts itself against you, God, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray, God, that there would be a spirit in this place today, God, that would desire you, God, that we would pursue you, God, that we would want everything, oh God, that you have to offer, God, that our cup would run over, God, that we would live in the overflow, oh God, in the name of Jesus, you are so good, you are mighty, you are holy, God, I need you today. I need a closer walk with you. God, I need your mercy and your grace. Jesus name. In Jesus name, I rebuke all fear and doubt here today. God, I rebuke a lukewarm spirit in this place today. God, that there would be a child of God that would pursue you, that would go after it, that would obey your voice today in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus he has something more for you oh in the name of Jesus the altars are open would you come and seek him today seek his face he wants to give you more